0: Happy 2023 everybody, welcome in to AWA Unleashed, we are the self-proclaimed number one podcast and video stream dedicated to telling the stories and the memories of the American Wrestling Association. As you can tell on the screen, my name is Chris as you can also tell on the screen, going over, we still have not taken down our Christmas and holiday decorations because i let my wife dictate what we do. She's ready to take it down. We take it down, but for the time being, it's up. And that's kind of how we do around my house. Let's check into a couple of other houses here. The House of Karch and uh, the House of uh, Chupik and uh, Mick, first of his name, and uh Joe, uh, first of his name game of thrones i tried to do it and i've already switched. So what a way to start the new year guys Here you go and it can
1: only get worse from here i
0: that's know crazy. hey when you st- when you start at the bottom there's only one way to go
1: progress is always in our future yes it's future <laughs> yeah, that's true well, well happy, happy new year guys here, happy we go. New year.
2: here we go and and uh Happy New Year to everybody, as Chris said, and we're going to have a great 2023 here on the podcast. We've got some uh, VIP guests that have uh, said they want to appear on the show, so they will. I'm not going to let them out of that. And uh, fun, fun stuff. We're uh, we're going to get you, the, uh, you the listener, involved a lot this year, directly, uh, because we had some great response to our... Uh, Fantasy card contest, and you love the interaction, so we're going to keep that
1: going. Yep. Very cool. Let's get right at it. I, I want to see what
0: these fantasy card are all to. All right. Be- before we get to it, of course, we got some uh, some business to attend to. You can see the logo up in the uh, upper right hand corner. Want to thank Soda Stick for everything that they've done yes. uh, over the past year. They jumped on at the very beginning. And I'm so grateful to Landon and, and everybody, because this episode in particular, they really helped make this one go because our, our listener submitted dream card. We're giving away three $50 gift certificates. Now you can get yourself an awm hoodie, the, uh, you know, the one with the personalized gimmick in the hood. It's great. Uh, I, I mean, they, they run a little snug, but they're super comfy they, I mean, I, I absolutely love mine. I, I wore the heck out of mine. We've got a black and white AWA Unleashed T-shirt uh, if you want that, or if you want some Minnesota sports, you know, just a novelty T-shirts, or you know, just whatever you want. Soda Stick is great. SodaStickCO.com. Uh, also, as well, want to thank Seventh Avenue Pizza uh, as well. We have Seventh Avenue Pizza around my house all the time, guys. Uh, their breakfast pizza. Uh, just been out for a couple months. It it is just awesome. Uh, they've got what they call the meat sauce. Uh, Paul Lambert. He works at uh, uh, Station K. Fan. I can say that because you know this is an independent project, and I can say whatever I want. Uh, it's a pepperoni meatball pizza. Uh, they've got the lucky seven. A lot of really great stuff. Seventh uh, Avenue Pizza dot com. And uh, we got other things that are planned. But l- let's go ahead and get right into it here. We have got. We had a lot of submissions and actually they came to you, Mick. So I'm going to let you kind of set it up here and then we'll kind of get into the, the, the three winners. So kind of take us through the process of receiving these submissions and and what you saw from everything that came your way.
2: You know what? It's very interesting. And it was very telling almost right out of the chute. What our demographic is. I think when we initially came up with the idea for this and we said, you know, go back as far as you want in the annals of the AWA mix and match 1960, all the way to to 1990. I think we anticipated a little bit more going back to the, the sixties, whether it was tiny Mills and Stan Kowalski, the Kalmakov brothers, what have you, but it didn't turn out that way. and, What happened was there was a lot of crossover. Uh, A lot of the matches were late 1970s into the eighties that the people came up with Uh, matches that quite frankly, we had seen on occasion or more than on occasion. Uh, But there was a lot of repetition, a lot of crossover. So um, a, it defines our demographic. Yeah. We got the old school wrestling fans and I'm talking about like my era going way back, but Certainly, predominantly, it's the 1970s into the 1980s. So given that, uh, we had a little chore in front of us. And uh, we, we kind of had to weed out, you know, is this repetition? Is, you know, uh, a lot of it was similar. I think we came up with three really diverse cards uh, for our three winners. And,
0: I mean, what were your thoughts on it, Joe, when, you know, when Mick kind of submitted everything? Because they went to him, and then he he sent us kind of the, the ones that he thought would kind of fill the criteria the most. When you get that email from him, I mean, what, what's your reaction to, to what he's feeding us?
1: Well, and I replied to you guys right away about it, and I said, let's defer to what Mick said. Because, quite frankly, um, what I did see – I thought that they were all great. Yeah. They're, you know, different generations and so forth, but it, it, we're, we're talking old school. We're talking, uh, I I think predominantly the eighties, there were some seventies, and not a whole lot of sixties as Mick had referred to, but they're all great matches. Some Mm -hmm. we have already seen some, um, I had not even thought of myself. And so, No matter what it was going to be, it could have been scrap iron gadaski against Big John Studd, which I'm sure happened on TV someplace, but it's still going I'm still looking forward to 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 talking about the rundown of these matches. Mm Because let's face it, we're talking about the greatest period in professional wrestling history. And you gotta remember that this is all subjective. I mean, yeah
2: exactly. You know, one man's treasure is another man's garbage, you know. So uh, there's no right and wrong here uh, by any means. And as Joe said, there were some great entries, and people mm-hmm. put a lot of thought into them. I mean, some people would send in. They booked the entire card from snap yeah. to finish, uh, the matches, the moves, the popcorn vendor, and, and pretty much everything. But uh, we've got some uh, some good, good cards. And, Chris, tell them what we're going to do next week. Uh, you know, kind of embarrass ourselves here, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, try to come up with our own. Yeah.
0: We are judging you guys this week. Next week you get to judge us because we are going to put together our dream cards. So we are going to go over these and, you know, this week, next week you get to do the same thing to us. So not only uh, are you going to get our opinions on what was submitted, but, you're going to see what we think. Cause I think it's only fair, right? Because just because we're doing the podcast, you know, I, I always get a kick out of people like, Oh man, this is, you know, you're so great. It's like, we're just people. So here's a chance for you to absolutely bury us. You can rip our booking all you want. And you know what? That's the joy of it. Because I really think our community and our, fan base and people that listen like there's a give and take and I feel next week is going to be the ultimate you can go ahead and give it to us and I I feel like it's some people don't honestly I don't think some people really subject themselves to having that kind of fun it's like got to be protective I'm the expert on I mean you guys both work for him and I'm a guy in my you know mid to late 40s who wants to learn about it you know what let them, you know, let them come and critique us. I feel like it's only fair.
2: Well, you know, it, it would be a shame, a, a real serious shame if right after we broadcast our picks, if my email suddenly crashed and I had to, you know, basically ignore everybody's <laughs> critique, um, you know, and just give us another three gift cards. You know, to, uh... Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got news for you, pal. You're not, you're not getting a gift card.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I can say about this week and next week. Yeah. And this is a, a first in professional wrestling history. For the first time ever in consecutive weeks, the one line that is on every single, or should be, if it's not, on every single wrestling lineup doesn't need to mm-hmm. be there. That's right. Card is not subject to to change love it love it um
0: i I figured there was some sort of like i i was waiting for the punchline. i'm like where's he going i'm like
2: oh this is serious okay (laughs) i i should like to point out okay go go ahead let's uh yeah let's
0: uh let's let's get to it here uh first of all let's uh i'm gonna bring up my my first one and let me say this guys before we do a lot of these cards with the crossover. My biggest beef, my one beef that I had, and I told you guys this was that a lot of these matches we did see, but we saw them later. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because our very first card in our very first match is maybe one of the most famous and iconic matches that has ever taken place in the business, but it took place on a different promotion, you go. at a different event. And, and as I was looking, I'm like, we've seen this before. And with our third card, you're going to say my biggest problem was we saw those matches and we saw them almost at length, but we saw them later on under di- different circumstances. So that was my only caveat. But again, it's so hard to quantify when eventually there's going to be the crossover somewhere down the line where you had these two. But we're talking about, Strictly in the AWA. All right. Our first submission is from Izzy Presley. And the first match, and you guys are going to know, a singles match for the vacant AWA Heavyweight Championship. Somebody that maybe people feel that the title should have gone Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. And we did see this, of course, the the biggest one was WrestleMania three. Uh, Pontiac Silverdome in front of like 850,000 people. Um, but sorry, maybe just embellishing a bit, but uh, yeah, Hogan versus Andre and uh, Izzy Presley. This is the first of yours. Congratulations. Hogan versus Andre book, voc- uh, vacant AWA title. Uh, go ahead and go, Mick.
2: Uh, I would say two things about Hogan versus Andre. Number one, Izzy's idea was the AWA gets it first that in his mind, We would have had it in his super card before Vince ever got his hands on it. Uh, The other thing is, I I think we need to emphasize, and maybe we should have done this more so, put the guys in their prime. If you're putting these cards together, I would assume everybody, no matter who your wrestler is, whether it's Mad Dog, Crusher, you got to envision them in their prime Mm. for your fantasy card. And there's Big Andre the Giant. And, man, can you just imagine he and Hulk Hogan in the AWA uh, back in the day? You know, they, they wrestled a lot of battle royals together. They did tag team matches together. Yeah. That would have been a hell of a coup.
1: Well, the story that I get from not only Greg but Vern was that that match, the trajectory for that match was already in the minds of the AWA bookers and that they were going to do that run. But of course, May of 1984 changed all of that and changed, uh, well, professional wrestling history, quite frankly, when uh, four of the biggest names in the AWA went to the WWF, and as we know, the rest Mm -hmm. is history. Um, Fantastic match. Um, If I'm not mistaken, didn't they fight like about 1980 or so against each other? I want to say it was in like in Chase Stadium or something. The first time that they battled was not at WrestleMania. Right, and and Hogan was
2: not Hogan, I mean, to that extent. He was not yeah. the, the superstar legend. Sterling he, Golden, I believe, was his well, name. Well, whatever his name was. All right, what's Izzy's uh, next match? And thanks, <laughs> it's a great main event.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, and I will say, you know, the, the big thing that we hear about, you know, the the big match at WrestleMania three was that, you know, Andre was battling some serious back issues, and you know, it was just he was very limited. So I think that's when we're kind of talking about, you know, being back in the uh, in the prime. A six man tag team match. I love this six man: Sheik Adnan, LKC, with Jerry Blackwell and Ken Patera versus Bobby the Brain Heenan with the Blackjacks.
2: Oh. That is that is superb, and you know so so I, Bobby and Adnan are kind of the the third wheels I think on each team, uh. So my question is, who does the crowd cheer in that one? I'm guessing that they would cheer Bobby Heenan and the Blackjacks against the Sheiks. And there's uh, there's Bobby with Jack Lanza and Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, what, what say you, Jody? Would they would they cheer uh, the Blackjacks and Bobby against the the foreign enemy?
1: Obviously, you can only speculate and guess, but I would say yes. But here's the reason: another reason why I say yes because I do remember Nick Bockwinkle versus Sheik Adnan LKC. Casey. Wow. I think they did a match or two, and Nick was the baby face. He didn't change, but the crowd definitely popped. They did not want Sheik Adnan LKC. He was the more hated of the two. And so on that premise, I'm going with Heenan and the Black Jacks as a baby faces in that six-man tag. And I agree with you, that's a hell of a six-man tag match. Mm-hmm. I, I I love when, when you, don't just go baby face versus heel. Let, it, let yeah. it play itself out and see
0: what the fans say. All uh, right. The next one is the uh, match for the vacant AWA women's championship. Two of, uh, two of your guys' favorites. I know, uh, especially two of your favorites, uh, Mick Medusa, Michelli versus Sherry Martell.
2: Well, you know, they did wrestle each other. Um, and, and, you know, I talked before, Sherry was kind of the veteran and, and led uh, Deuce through that match. But, you know, in the history of the AWA, women's wrestling was such a, a, a unique commodity that if there was an extended program or the spotlight was on a lady for any extended amount of time, it was a rarity. And it didn't happen really until the 1980s. So in that sense, they were trendsetters. Logical matchup, Medusa and Sherry Martel.
1: Yep, and I was fortunate enough to see that match up on more than one occasion. And you're right, Mick. Sherry carried Medusa back in those days, and I think Deuce would admit that. She was new into the business, but I'll give her her credit. Fast forward many years, and she did prove that she belonged in the upper echelon of professional wrestling history for women. Got it.
0: Let's go to the next one, the Brass Knuckles last man standing match. Jerry, the King Lawler against Nick Bockwinkle.
2: This was so good. I mean, when when I looked at that one and it played off of an angle that uh, Nick and Jerry Lawler were having in Memphis, there, there was a, a, an infamous match and one of Nick's greatest promos ever, uh, where it was a, you lose $500 every time you throw a punch in the match. It was kind of a blow-off situation, and Nick was complaining about Lawler using the fist, and, you know, Jerry Lawler, you can't win without resorting to that, so every time somebody throws a punch, there's Jerry uh, with the AWA Heavyweight Championship belt. Anytime anybody throws a punch, it costs you 500 bucks. That was that match, but this one, the last man standing, I love this. Uh, Jerry Lawler and Nick Bockwinkle, two of the greatest that ever lived.
1: I'll give you that, but I'm not as high on this match for this simple reason. When I hear the brass nuts, I'm thinking of Wahoo. I'm thinking of a Bowie. Yeah. I'm thinking of an Abdullah. I'm thinking of a bloodbath. and There's no doubt Lawler and Nick would both have given us a close-up version of, of, of watching, an R-rated version of, uh, of ER or something. But these two, they're profession- they're, they're, they were wrestlers. I would yeah I, I just I something,
0: like is, it. something in something into more of a brawling, not necessarily like the, the wrestling angle of
1: it. Exactly. And when I see those two names and, and 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 witness the number of matches that I have of the two of them, I think of wrestling. I don't think of a brass nuts situation. I will have to comment about the uh Scott Ledoux, the AWA enforcer. I like it. I like it. You gotta, you gotta have somebody to keep law and order in the brass knuckles wrestling. Oh, never mind. There we
0: go. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because yeah, I, I did. Uh, I I did not uh, put the uh, Scott Ledoux your your special you know guest referee. And I mean, nobody's going to be more of a badass than Scott Ledoux was when All it right. comes to to uh, being that. Uh, here's one that I think would have been really fun to see. A 16-minute Ironman match, the tag team of the High Flyers versus the Midnight Rockers.
2: Izzy, you came up with a dandy there. Um, can can you just imagine? Uh, and again, this is both teams at the highlight of their careers. So arguably, the Rockers uh, is 1980s, probably. Uh, you know, the the High Flyers more of the 1970s. But what a matchup! You know, I, I'm thinking back to. Uh, Babyface baby face versus baby face tag team match here at the twin cities where the high flyers wrestled Tito Santana and Rick Martel and it was a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the Rockers in their prime against the High Flyers in their prime. Interesting scenario with the sixty man uh sixty minute Iron Man match uh in a tag team situation.
1: And both teams could have gone the sixty Yeah, minutes. Oh yeah, oh, yeah
0: e- exactly. That's that that's a key. Just because you can doesn't mean
1: that you should. In this instance, these two teams could have carried that one hour Broadway. They could have they fantastic matchup, despite what I said on the previous one. And I didn't hate the matchup, just the brass knuckles part. This one I really love. That would have been a very, very entertaining match. And all four of them know how to sell. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because we had the the six man heel versus heel. Here we had baby face versus baby face, which again, I I think when you're talking about it, we didn't see you know back in the day. To my understanding, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. There wasn't many of the you know bad guy versus bad guy, villain versus villain, you know hero versus hero angle. There was always a protagonist and an antagonist.
2: Yeah, for the most part, you're absolutely right. Every once in a while, they throw something in, you know, Vern Gagne against Billy Robinson or, or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, you're you're right. It was uh, good Good versus evil was the predominant uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Great, Izzy, what great matches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why would you change the formula that's literally worked for decades? Yeah. You got it. It's good versus evil. That's yeah. right.
0: All right uh so congratulations to uh Izzy um why don't you send uh, send Mick Carter your contact information and uh we'll we'll get that all taken care of. Uh the second one here is from Mike Rosen and I apologize if I'm not looking into the camera because I'm looking at the sheet. This is from Mike Rosen, one fall to a finish. This one fascinates me guys right off the bat. Hulk Hogan versus bruiser brody king kong brody
2: wow and again if we're saying both wrestlers in their prime you got hogan at the peak of his popularity when hulkamania was running wild and then you got bruiser brody the rebel that would have been at the very least an interesting match uh interesting in the sense that and i don't know what you're feeling is joe would brody and there's the Hulkster. Would Brody have cooperated against Hulk Hogan? Clearly it would have been a big money match. Uh, you know, and I, maybe he would have because Hogan was kind of a light touch. I, I don't think Hogan hurt anybody in the business. So it might not have come off as badly as, as it could. Well, what, what was, what was the, the, the
0: before you get in there, Joe, what was the biggest concern with Brody not wanting to cooperate? Was there a certain like individual, a certain personality? I mean, how would you know that Brody wouldn't cooperate?
2: A lot of times you didn't know. Uh, a lot <laughs> of times he uh, he would cooperate until about the 19-minute mark of a 20-minute match. And, uh, you know, as he did against Jerry Blackwell, he did not like a finish here, and he walked out. Uh, Brody was his own man. And, uh, you know, if if he felt he wasn't getting screwed over, if he... If he felt he was going to look good and, and the match made sense, then I don't think he had any problem. But if he didn't agree with the booking philosophy, he would let you know sooner or later. And unfortunately, there were more than one laters in his uh, in his matches.
1: Well, fortunately or unfortunately, but I have to say, I, all these years later, I understand what Brody was doing. Yeah. And he That's was true. protecting... Bruiser Brody. Yes. He was a vagabond. He would, he wrestled in different territories and before the internet and before cable, you couldn't really tell or see what was going on. However, with the wrestling magazines and everything else, Frank Brody, King Kong, Frank Goodish, sorry. Um, King Kong Brody was looking out for himself. So I can't blame him for that. In the instance of a match against Hogan, um, interesting is the best and safest way that I can explain it. Um, Hulk Hogan, in my opinion, deserves credit for arguably being the biggest star, biggest attraction, uh, made the most money in professional wrestling. Um, i due respect Hogan the wrestling abilities he, he was not a Nick Bockwinkle I'll, I will put it that way and again mm-hmm. I mean no disrespect to Hogan but in regards to this match you'd have two just big guys Hogan wasn't a brawler um, would Hogan have given to Brody and how much would he have given
0: or would, would Brody have just taken, though, at that
2: point? You, you, you know what's interesting? And and I, I was just thinking about this. I saw a match in Des Moines, Iowa, Brody and Andre the Giant. Now, you would think that it could be a little bit sloppy. Uh, you know, Andre not being the, the high flyer, uh, whatever. Uh, but it was surprisingly good. And Brody sold a lot for Andre. And I'm thinking if Brody was cooperative with Hogan, that would be a hell of a match. You know, certainly in their heyday, Hogan wouldn't have put him over. Uh, you know, my guess is that, you know, you have some kind of total chaos or, or Brody, you know, does the job for Hogan. But on paper, love the idea.
1: Let me, the whole Hogan, um, Brody and Andre Brody scenario that you just said, uh, Mick, I wonder if... Brody gave Andre the respect because of how long Andre was, I mean, Andre is an icon. He, right. he, he, yeah. he is a legend in professional, he's a legend period. Would, and maybe I'm looking too much, you know, Brody, uh, you know, going back into the early eighties, you know, when uh, that's what I'm picturing this match. Logan was just starting. Hogan didn't have the pedigree, he didn't have the paperwork that Andre had. So did Brody do that for Andre? Or what what Brody did for Andre, would he have done that for Hogan? I'm going to say no. Okay. And and just for uh, you know yeah. uh, uh, era's sake it was
2: 1978 that I saw that Brody and Andre match. So Andre had effectively been in the business for about eight years. So you know they were kind of parallel. But again, uh, great match. Loved the main event. So uh, thank you, Mike, for uh, for that idea.
0: Yeah, let's go with the ladies' title here. Vivian Vishan and we've uh, we've heard this name before, and uh, she's going to be mentioned again. Uh, Sherry Martel.
2: That, to me, would be a dream ladies' match. Um, Sherry was as tough as nails, but, man, you didn't mess around with Vivian Vachon. And when Vivian came into the AWA territory, you know, she immediately stood out, not only because she was a Vachon, but just because of her personality and her style. It would have been one hell of a match. And, uh, yeah, for me, that that is a dream ladies' match. Good call,
1: Mike. Well, you've got Sherry Martell. Who was called Scary Sherry? You've got Vivian Vashon, just the last name Vashon, and all of a sudden I want to go yeah. grab a dog biscuit and go and hide. Um, the two of them—oh, God, that would have been a fantastic matchup. And oh, can, we, we, let's get a video game going. I want to see these two even in a video game. That'd be a blast. Absolutely. I mean, it,
0: it, it seems like it would just be a really, like, intense fight. Not just a match, yeah. but just a, a fight between two women that you feel could legitimately tear each other apart.
2: Chris, it's like uh, when Sherry uh, and Luda Vachon had their feud in WWF. Yes, back in yeah. The day. So it, it's really a similar similar kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have been anything pretty about it outside of, you know, Sherry and, and uh, Vivian themselves, but uh, you're right. One hell of a match. Very believable. No doubt. No doubt.
0: And Sherry and a Vachon, like you said. Yep. Sherry and a, Sherry and a Uh Let's go to the next one. A tag team death match. Crusher and Bruiser versus Ray Stevenson, uh Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson.
2: Fantastic. And again, you have to you have to pigeonhole it to when they were in their prime. Uh, you don't want to talk about the, the Crusher and the Bruiser of you know, the later years, or even Stevens and Patterson for that matter. But uh, you talk about Stevens and Patterson, two of the greatest workers that ever lived. Uh, you know, Crusher and Bruiser, they did what they did. They were brawlers. Mm. They were kick and <laughs> nothing fancy, nothing finesse. Ray and Pat, can you just imagine them selling mm. for the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. I mean, Nick and Ray did it. Uh, Bachwinkle and Steven sold for Crusher and Bruiser continuously. But that match, to me, is a marquee, all-time great matchup.
1: So, Mick, I got to ask you: this match, uh, the names go back more towards your era than it does mine. This is a late '60s, early '70s, and even though I was alive, you know, the memories aren't quite there when I'm uh, five, six, seven years old. Did these did these four face off against each other? I gotta believe that uh, that they booked them at some point.
2: You know, w- without having the uh, the Google info right in front of me, I would assume that they probably did, they, or there had to be a mix and match. Somehow their paths had to cross. I mean, we we know that for a fact, especially again with Ray Stevens and and uh, mm-hmm. Crusher and Bruiser. That was a a continuum, but. Uh, Again, in their prime, what a match. That, you know, the old cliche that could headline any arena in the world, that one could have,
1: absolutely. No doubt, no doubt. All these years later, I'd still buy a ticket to go and watch that. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's go to our, uh, the next one is a Lumberjack match. Nick Bachwinkle and Bobby Heenan versus Johnny Valentine and Killer Kowalski.
2: Wow. And, and that, I was really intrigued by that one because, you know, Mr. Oldfart here, um, Johnny Valentine and Killer Kowalski were two of the all-time greatest wrestlers that ever lived. And, uh, you know, that combination, that mix and match, and really, again, if you're talking about when, when the guys are in their prime, um, two different eras a little bit, you know, not, not a lot of uh, uh, time between them. But again, my God, that would have been just phenomenal. And there's Bobby with the Blackjacks. And, you know, the, Jack and, and uh, Jack and Mulligan were, were big guys. But all of a sudden, Bobby Heenan looks like Sky Lolo with a wig in that picture. <laughs> so I'm not sure if Bobby was on his knees on a bar stool. Um, but nonetheless, what a, what a fantastic matchup. And wrestling fans who are not familiar with Killer Kowalski or Johnny Valentine, Uh, Killer Kowalski, by the time he arrived in the AWA, he was kind of past his prime. But uh, a great heel back in the day. Johnny Valentine, they didn't make him any tougher. You know, and Johnny's got one of the great quotes of all time. You know, you may not believe that wrestling is real, but, you know, you watch me and you're going to believe I'm real. And uh, so that would have been fantastic.
1: The thing that intrigues me about that match is think of the promos that could have been leading up to that. I mean, we, you know, Heenan and Bockwinkle, I think most of our audience knows. Luscious Johnny, Well, I'm, think, I'm uh, thinking Johnny Valentine, but Valentine and Kowalski, they could talk on the mic as well. They they were no slouches. I'll give it to Bach and Heenan. I mean, it's tough to go against the all-time greatest all around in, in uh, Bobby Heenan. But, man, those promos, what? Well, let me throw something out there. Who do we put in doing the promos? Marty O'Neal or Mean Gene O'Neal? I would
2: say back in the era, you give it to Marty O'Neill. Yeah, because I would say Marty uh, for that. Yeah, because this is not a promo that you want to get silly. Uh, you know, and Gene would mug for the camera and what have you, and uh, Marty O'Neill would give one line, hand the wrestler the microphone, and, and let him go. Mm-hmm. So I would go with Marty O'Neill, um, But I tell you what, talk about old school greatness. What a match that would be. Agreed.
0: Yep. And uh, apologize. I apologize. I hit the wrong one. I hit the uh, the blackjack when I meant to hit uh, Bachwinkle. All right. And the last one from Mike Rosen, the six-man tag team cage match. Vern Gagne, Greg Gagne, and Jim Brunzel versus Kurt Heading, Larry Heading. And Harley Race.
2: Oh God! Talk about I, a contrast of styles. Like, well, not only that, I'm salivating over that match. I mean, I I really would buy a ticket and again put everybody in their prime. That's what mm. you have to do. You can't think of Vern, you know, in 1981 when he retired for the first time. Uh, what a fantastic match that would be, and you know. I don't know how the, the finish, the booking, I have a pretty good idea of uh, who would come out on top. But, boy, you get that family feud in there, the Flyers and Vern, and and toss Harley Race into the mix, one of the toughest guys that ever lived. And, of course, he and Larry Hennig were AWA Tag Team Champions back in the 60s. Tremendous, tremendous match. Great call, Mike. Great call.
1: You know, Mike, I think you said it all. The a phenomenal matchup Mike Rosen that's all I can just I can just do I no. Mick you've said it all those six names oh man would that have been fun love it
2: love it Damn. So, all right. oh and look at that look at that there there's Larry and uh my God Kurt. look yeah. at him there. Uh, that the, he, I, I think he was Mr. Okay. At the time, <laughs> because, uh, Mr. Perfect. Uh, but, uh, the, the Ganya Hennig feud in the background, Larry and Vern, that by itself, you know, just to know that every time they locked up, there was real heat, you know, yeah. and Vern's liver spots were popping off. And, you know, I mean, there, there was a real, uh, real animosity there. So great six man. I love it. Love the idea.
0: All right. And our last one comes from Jim Pouquet. And uh, we're going to kick it off with a match we saw later on. But again, we're going to get it first in the AWA. The, one of the men that we just saw, Kurt Hennig, versus uh, Minneapolis's own, maybe not necessarily known uh, for uh, AWA, more of a Crockett and NWA guy, the Nature Boy Ric Flair.
2: Wow. Well, uh, again, the prime of Ric Flair was certainly not in the AWA. Uh, You know, he made his uh, his fortune in the NWA and then, of course, on to WWE. Uh, But nonetheless, the matchup, if you put these two arguably two of the greatest wrestlers of their respective eras, and you know we saw it. You know, as, as you alluded to, Chris. You know, we, we we saw the situation. We saw the feuds uh, later on. But in their prime, can you just imagine Kurt bumping all over the ring, head over tail, for about forty-five minutes? And Flair, of course, will, will do the face plant and you know get tossed <laughs> off the top rope. And that's that's his arsenal. But <laughs> the, uh, I think I think the match itself. Uh, again, two of the greatest, and you can't go wrong putting that in the main event.
1: First thing that popped to mind to me would be to make this a two-hour time limit and that, and that both of these guys could have made it for that mm-hmm. two hours. they would have been blowing up severely, but you said it, two, two of the all-time greats. I will say, and I, I – I, said this to people. Uh, in fact, Brian knobs, last time I was down in Florida, I'm at his place and, and uh, he had a buddy of his come over and, and he said, Joe, tell him about Kurt. And I just said, and this would have been, oh, gosh, 2001 when this happened, but I'm going back to the end of the AWA run for Kurt. And when he was with the WWF as Mr. Perfect, he was as good as it got yeah. in the industry. He was Mr. Perfect. He truly was. And his ability to work in the ring, second to none in his prime. So put him against yeah. Ric Flair, oh, my God, that would have been a phenomenal two-hour match.
2: I, I always take the, the, you know, the unpopular opinion. I think Kurt Hennig, as opposed to Ric Flair, I'll go with her, Kurt every day of the week. I agree, uh, and and because you know Kurt was similar to Nick Bockwinkel in the sense that he never had the same match twice. Uh, Flair, you kind of knew, you know, this is mm-hmm. uh, you know point A, point B, you know, where's this bump coming up and over the top turnbuckle. Um, but just yeah, a, a great matchup again, and uh, good call, Jim. Yeah,
1: I, I give it, I give it to Flair on the promo. Yeah. Work inside the ring, Kurt Henning.
2: Not yeah, not even close.
0: And I will say my one problem with the Mr. Perfect gimmick, and this is when I was a kid, Mr. Perfect never lost. Once he lost, I felt, well, he can't be perfect anymore. Like I'm like, you gotta change the name. And they didn't change the name from Mr. Perfect. I'm like, but he lost. You can't perfect people
2: don't lose. <laughs> You, you know what? Here was what I would say to that, Chris. He's a mm-hmm. wrestling heel. So even though he got beat, it yeah. never happened. I mean, in his mind, or he got screwed over somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ronda Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet, got knocked on her ass, you know, two, in first round, two matches in a row. But it, she's still the, she's batter, still the baddest on woman. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it just the heels always had an excuse. Yeah. So, you know, he's always Mr. Perfect, period. Yep. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, here's a, another good one a six man tag team match in a cage. Brody, Hanson, and Abdullah the Butcher. Oh my God. You got one tough side. How about you equal that with the masked superstar, Ernie Ladd, and maybe the man who can, maybe he's as tough or tougher than anybody on the other side? Haku.
2: That match, somebody's gonna die. Somebody's gonna die, you know. It's a literal death match, probably a ringsider. Um, but (laughs) that matchup, of all the entries that I received, that is the one that jumped out at me. And you are absolutely right, Chris. Can you just imagine? Can it get any tougher than those guys? I would say, believe it or not, it you know, as it comes to this. The odd man out is that guy right there, uh, <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, Abdullah had a great gimmick, uh, but compared to Brody and Hanson in terms of legitimate toughness, I don't know about that. And on the other side of the thing, oh, my God, can you imagine having those guys on your side in the bar fight? Uh, mm-hmm. Just extraordinary. To me, the match of all the submissions that I got. Loved it. Absolutely loved it.
1: There he is. The first thing that popped to my mind when I saw the six-man tag match, if I was the booker, if I was the promoter for it, my first call would have been to get a sponsorship from the American Red Cross for blood donation. That's a good one, yeah. That match, the, the crimson red, I don't care what color that ring mat cover was going to be, it was going to be red by the end of it.
2: And, you know, and don't discount Bill Eadie, mass superstar in terms of toughness, big, strong, rough, tough guy, no question about it. Not only what you call the American red cross, Joe, but I think Gillette probably would have had their biggest month ever. uh, Right after that. And Ernie lad, Ernie to me in the history of wrestling, one of the greatest talkers, One of the greatest heels of all time. You want to see how to do a heel promo. Watch Ernie Ladd in his heyday. The big cat. Yeah, big cat. I feel
0: like he's one of those guys that maybe gets overlooked a bit when it comes to some of the greatness and and some of those heel promos like you were talking about, Mick.
2: Yes, sir. All right.
0: Uh, All right, let's get to the uh, next one. We've seen this one. Uh, This was also one of our earlier submissions.
2: Uh, ladies' match: Vivian Vashon versus Sherry Martel. Again, we talked about that. Uh, two no-nonsense ladies. I would take it to the modern day with uh, Jamie Hayter and Hikaru Shida, in terms of going back and forth and beating the living shit out of each other. Uh, nothing fancy, nothing. Uh, no pillow fight here, no lingerie battle royal or anything else. This would have been one hell of a match. <laughs>
1: okay, let me go a slightly different angle on this one, Mick. Fewer the Booker.
2: Who would you have a go over?
1: Oh, boy. I, I think right, it's, it's
2: for the championship. It's a matter of the era. Vivian is 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherry. We're, uh, it, it,
1: we're, we're going by in their prime.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In their prime. Um, I think Sherry Martel.
1: I
0: agree. Oh, okay. I, I was not expecting that. I I, I really thought, as I was kind of like formulating, I really thought that you would have gone with uh, with Vivian, Vic.
2: That was a tough call. And you know what? Check with me later today, and I might have a different answer for you.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. How about this brass knuckles match? Last man standing, Blackjack Mulligan versus Big John Stud
2: wow a lot of beef in that ring um blackjack mulligan in his day was one hell of a worker and you know and that family lineage has certainly you know uh, continued Uh big john stud very limited in what he could do in the ring clearly got by with size alone and and the hard punch um it would have to be a brass knucks match. You know, th- there's nothing else that you could do with that one. Say, that, uh, that's, how you, that's how
0: you're thats how you bringing John Studd down is with
2: brass knucks. There you go. A- absolutely. I mean, what are you going to do? Put the guys in a, uh, you know, Hurricane Rana match? Ain't going to happen. <laughs> um, but uh, again, for a brass knucks match, those two big guys, and you know, I would assume that Mulligan would have gone over in that one, but uh, that would have been a hell of a match. I I have never been a big fan of the big man versus big man brawling kind of match. They can tend to get boring. In this case, maybe Mulligan, there's Jack. There he is right there, old big Bob Wyndham. Maybe he could have carried Stud to a good match.
1: Well, if Stud would have gotten those brass knucks and delivered the heart punch with the brass knucks... Well, now we're talking about some damage because I remember seeing Stud against Mad Dog Vachon in the Minneapolis Auditorium. Talk about a size difference, and I know yeah, we're, you know Mad Dog doesn't equate into this, but that heart punch on, on the little, little dog uh, compared <laughs> to Stud, Mad Dog Vachon, was devastating. Throw some nuts on it. I don't care how big you are, Black yeah. Jack Mulligan. You know, I'm afraid that that could have skipped a beat or two and given, given uh, uh stud, the one, two, three.
0: And that's a great point, Joe, that you put that along with the finish. It just adds another layer to it. And that's also can, you know, that can kind of help build into that long-term storytelling. Uh, finally, the Ironman match, Harley Race—it's the first time that we've heard this name, guys—and I'm kind of a little surprised. Harley Race versus Billy
2: Robinson in their prime, my God! Um, from a technical standpoint, you know, Billy Robinson is always the name that comes to mind when you when you think of the holds, counter holds, and, and et cetera. Uh, and then I'm thinking of the Billy Robinson Bockwinkle matches that were just sensational Harley race was not a finesse guy. Harley race was a straight ahead. No nonsense punch kick, but could wrestle guy could bump his ass all over the place. And I'm guessing if a title is not at stake, Billy Robinson goes over in that one. Uh, if, if it would have been for the NWA title with Harley on top or whatever, AWA title, uh, then I would give it to Harley, but, uh, two of the all time greats. Uh, again, you're, you're right. Where is the name Billy Robinson in these fantasy matches?
1: Yeah, but sad that it's only one of the, well, at least from the three that uh, were chosen, that Billy only showed up the one time. Um, but in regards to this match, I look at wrestlers in, in three categories. You've got sports entertainers, you've got wrestlers and you've got grapplers. I'll put Harley Race as a grappler, somebody that grew up in the 50s and 60s as his prime, when wrestling was still that. Coming off the top rope was a huge deal. Okay, Billy Robinson, to me, was more of a wrestler, maybe different era. He had more showmanship because of his ability to counter and and put moves on that not many people would see and he did it with such finesse it was great so two different styles um as much of a fan as i was of billy robinson i I mean damn harley Race legend is an understatement for him and By all accounts, next to Haku, or quite possibly side-by-side with Haku, you didn't want Harley Race on the other side of a bar fight.
2: No. You know what's interesting, Joe? You can almost picture that match in your mind. I mean, you you can picture the move set of both guys. You picture how the match would play itself out, almost move for move. Can you imagine a street fight? A shoot fight between Billy Robinson and Harley Race. And again, I would go with you. I would say Harley would be the guy there, unless Billy could tie him up and take him down to the down to the pavement. Um, but two of the greatest of all time. And just as an aside, guys, in all the entries that I got, yeah. there was not a lot of Billy Robinson mentions, mm-hmm. not just in the winners. And that surprises yeah. me
1: in the history of the AWA. The last thing that I'll say about this match, and it's what I have uh, said on this show and I've said to locker rooms when I've talked to him in the past, this match would make me believe. Yes. Yeah. So
0: these, Absolutely.
1: These two in an Iron Man match, I'd be done with that and, I'll, and I'd be like, oh my God, wrestling is real. That's yes. how good both of these guys were in the ring.
2: Yeah, and I, I, Harley Race was going 60 minutes with guys every night. Yeah, You know, and and Harley didn't look like, you know, a streamlined athlete, but he had the and he smoked like a fish. One after another, Harley was a chain smoker and he could go in and do 60 90 minutes without, you know, losing his breath. So, a uh, great matchup. Great, great it, matchup.
0: Yeah. I, and to kind of, you know, go back to what you were saying, Mick, with all of the submissions Nothing wrong with the submissions that we got. I mean, no. I, I think there were there were a lot of of really good cards. Like because there were ones that, <laughs> excuse me, that that I saw that I was like, I, I mean, we had some you know we had some disagreements with these. There were some matches where I'm like, I would love to see this, but in terms of like the you know all of the cards and everything, these were the three that that really stood out. But there were I cannot stress enough. There were some really, really good submissions that did not even uh, get mentioned today. So it it was it was incredible, and it it really is fun to see what people in their minds would consider to be a dream match.
2: Great points, Chris. And again, as I said earlier on, this is subjective. There's no right Absolutely. or wrong.
0: No No, right or wrong, no.
2: If if you thought that this match was going to be tremendous, who am I to tell you that it wouldn't have been, Uh, and and vice versa? And uh, next week, they're going to get a chance to do exactly that and tell us if they think we are full of shit in some of our, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, matches. Eh, We already know
0: that. I mean, come
2: on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, you know, we're we're counting on my email not crashing uh, when it comes time to critique Uh, you know our matches it could happen uh in which case well it's life in the big city
0: what's your backup small dick energy at (laughs) (laughs) getalife.com
1: somebody's on social media oh my (laughs) god
0: you know where i got that joe yeah yeah. (laughs) good
2: Good. So so what I'm saying is if Joe Tupic, who apparently is now the third nasty guy, we got we got that uh little bit of information. Um uh, if Joe Tupic wants to come up with a match, you know, with with uh, the tag team of uh Harry Paratestes and Vic and you know, that's fine. Let him do that. This is again subjective, ladies and gentlemen. Um. Oh, this I love it!
1: wrestling, it has to be perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, let's uh, let's get some uh, some shout outs to you guys, and then uh, let's go ahead and bring it home. Let's, uh,
1: let's
2: get uh, Joe's shout out first.
1: Uh, my shout out this week is to a longtime uh, and and I'll steal a line from Sid Hartman, close personal friend, Mister Al DeRusha, uh-huh. former ring announcer, former Booker, former do-it-all guy for the AWA, uh, an inductee into the Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Um, Al is in his late 80s. um, And like you can expect or suspect, late 80s, his health isn't the greatest. um, But I wanted to give a shout out to my dear, dear friend, Mr. Al Captain Kangaroo Darusha.
2: Anybody that can tell a waitress at the Showboat Cafe in Las Vegas to please go get the Parmesan gimmick. All <laughs> <far> right, <laughs> by me. So, <laughs> again, Al DeRucho, legendary. legendary. Uh, my shout out is to Jason Whalen. I mean, I, I met the, the guy for the first time at the AWA reunion. He is a great, great wrestling fan, loyal to a fault to our podcast. And to the AWA Unleashed fan page, Jason, we appreciate you more than we can tell you. Thank you for the support. And I am going to go to uh, Joe
0: Samples at Front Row Joe, uh, FRJ, on Twitter. Uh, just to, he said that he just found us a few days ago, and he loves the podcast. So hopefully, he's catching up on everything, and he will see himself. Uh, in uh, in this episode, so thank you, Joe, and uh, thank you, guys, to everybody for making it a great 2022. And hopefully, we're uh, we're off to a good start here in 2023. And next week, yeah, you get to judge our dream cards because Mick and Joe are going to submit theirs. I'm going to submit mine, and uh, we'll have some fun. So uh, that being said, we still got some great guests coming up. We got a lot of a uh, lot of good stuff. Uh, visit our sponsors, soda stick on uh, co.com, seventh avenue pizza.com. And for our winners, um get in contact with Mick, get your contact info to him, and then uh, we will make sure that we hook you up with those gift cards. So that being said, guys, this this was fun. This was a, I think a pretty good way to kick off 2023.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely already damn that that that's pretty much it. See ya.
1: Okay, bye.